Hi, it's Father Rick, and I want to welcome you to St. Michael's Episcopal Church. I'm really glad you found us. Please know that we accept you wherever you are on your spiritual journey, and we trust that God will take you where you need to be, right in God's timing. We're just glad that you're here with us, and we hope you enjoy today's sermon. God bless. Oh God, you are here, Lord, we are here. May we be here together. May we be conscious of your presence with us. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Be seated. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you, church. Today is Pentecost Sunday, the Feast of Pentecost. And, you know, it's a big, big time in my life. Frankly, when I first became a priest, the very first Sunday of my priesthood, I was ordained on a Saturday, and on that next Sunday was Pentecost. And I was invited by my sending congregation, my home church in California, to celebrate communion that day and so you can imagine i was a little nervous um, and plus we got to get up and we chanted it every single week the lord be you know so i had practiced i had rehearsed and i had done it and i'd worked it really a lot you know it's pentecost this is a big deal and i'm a new priest and so i did it and i thought wow that was i think i did all right you know i mean imagine standing in front of a congregation people that know you and you're literally singing a cappella, right? Well, afterwards, I saw this beautiful girl in the, that was in the choir. And I was nervous, and I wanted to just see how it went, you know? And um, so I was like, I didn't know this person that well. I just knew her from the choir and whatnot. And so I asked her, I said, um, how, how do you think that went? She goes, it was good. She was good. I've never heard the country and western version before. <laughs> We've been married 13 years now. <laughs> so every, sorry honey, I know I'm going to hear it, I love you. But every Sunday is kind of a Pentecost Sunday in some ways because we make a bold profession of our faith when we recite the Nicene Creed. Every time we say, we proclaim that we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. Now, I think that this may be the most understated line in the Creed. Now, there's no doubt that the Holy Spirit is central to our life and faith. It's the most central, the Holy Spirit's central to the story of God. In fact, um, the Holy Spirit in scriptures in the Old Testament, one of the words is ruah, and that means wind or breath. And so when you see that the Spirit hovered, the ruah hovered before there was creation, it was the very breath of God, if you will, the Spirit of God, the ruah, that that breathed life, the Lord, the giver of life. In the New Testament, pneuma is the word. And then there's another word is um, Shekinah, and that means dwelling. So God's power, God's wisdom is with us, God's presence. So think about this. The Spirit was the driving force in creation, animating creative life in the entire cosmos, right? And then the Spirit was there when the Word became flesh and into the world. It was the Holy Spirit, think about this, the Holy Spirit that conceives Jesus. 
The Holy Spirit initiated his ministry. This is my son, my beloved, with whom I'm well pleased. So the Spirit was there that descended on Jesus like a dove. Y'all remember that story? And it was the Spirit that led him into the wilderness for 40 days. And it's the Spirit that sustained his life. The Holy Spirit sustained his life. It was the Holy Spirit that was there that breathed life into him, resurrection life, and brought him out of the tomb on Easter morning. So no doubt, the Holy Spirit is definitely central to the message of God. But is the Holy Spirit central to your life, to my life? Is the Holy Spirit central to the life of the church? And you may ask yourself, you know, this When's the last time you talked about the Holy Spirit? You know, you're having coffee with your wife in the morning. You know, like, sweetheart, what do you think about the Holy Spirit? I mean, have you had that conversation lately? What is the Holy Spirit? What does it have to do with me and my life? Now, Methodist pastor Adam Hamilton, he's written a lot of books. But he writes in one of his books, he says, I think many Christians live spirit-deficient lives. He says, A bit like someone who is sleep-deprived or nutrient-deprived or oxygen-deprived. Many Christians haven't been taught about the Spirit nor encouraged to seek the Spirit's work in their lives. As a result, our spiritual lives are a bit anemic as we try to live the Christian life by our own power and our own wisdom. Just be good enough. Try harder. That kind, you, you know what I'm talking about? That's difficult because living the Christian life is not an, actually a matter of willpower or self-effort. Somebody asked me um, last week, how do you guys do this, Father Rick? Because we had just done a funeral. You see so much death. You see suffering. You see illness. You see people broken and hurt. And, and you see it daily it just you know it's part of what i do and he says how do you and father greg do that and i said they give us medicine and uh no sorry no 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 but it's not me i can't i said i i I don't know i i can't do this you know i don't do this in my own because i'm special or something right it's definitely because of the spirit of god in our lives and it's the spirit of god who does this and just like you um i'm no different right we're all ordained by god in our baptism to serve and it's not that we do this in our own power or in our own wisdom we open ourselves to god and the holy spirit works in us and it's crazy how the holy spirit works on us it, it just works see we have actually within us a potential for radical and organic growth transformation and an impact in the world today as i said we celebrate the feast of pentecost now think about this and i don't want you to forget this pentecost is not just a one-time event that happened like a couple thousand years ago right and we read about it once a year and we go through all the motions and we wear red and it's like you know no no pentecost is an ongoing reality of god giving god's spirit and bringing life to us renewing our purpose for living 
This is Pentecost. Pentecost is essential. The Holy Spirit is absolutely essential. You could say without the Holy Spirit, there would be no creation. There would be no Jesus story, right? The Holy Spirit is not just simply divine energy or some kind of semi-divine agent. But I love how John LaCrosse claims it in the 16th century. He says, the Holy Spirit is the living flame of love. Isn't that a beautiful metaphor? Living flame of love who's always around us, burning within us, among us, and in between us, calling us, coaching us, birthing us to new life. Not only in times of serenity, but particularly in those times that are difficult and terrible experiences and the frustrating um, um, trying times of our lives, the Holy Spirit enters into those places with us because we are possessed by the Holy Spirit, believe it or not. In today's gospel, we find some folks that are facing some very difficult and challenging times. They're full of fear. They're in the upper room. This is once again, like all of our readings have been lately, we're in the upper room. Jesus is going to depart. He's going to leave his disciples. And this is where this gospel text meets us again today. And Jesus has given his final instructions to prepare his disciples for his coming trial, his death, and his resurrection. And the disciples are fearful, and they're confused, and they're uncertain. You know, when you're afraid, when you're not in control, letting go is really difficult, isn't it? Jesus is anticipating these disciples and their fears and their anxieties about his departure. And so he offers them this promise of a future promise and blessings. And, and Philip says to him in desperation, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied, right? In other words, he's like, hey, you say you're leaving. I need some assurance. I need, you know, show me the Father and, and, and show me something definitive, Maybe you felt like Philip before. You're going through something. You're faced with some challenges. You're faced with some changes. You're faced with some transitions. You're faced with something, and you're like, all right, God, just please, if you can set that tree on fire in the middle of the street, show me the way, right? Give me a sign. Show me something. Do something to prove that you have not left me alone to fend for myself. Show me. Do something that shows me that you still care. Have you ever been there? Have you ever had that prayer? I have. And Jesus says to Philip, he goes, have I been with you all this time and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And he goes off, you know, I am in the Father and the Father's in me. The works that I do are the Father does through me, right? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's important because Jesus, we believe, he claimed that he's the embodiment of the divine of this loving force on earth, that God, the one that set it all into motion, has become one of us and entered to our world and come near us. So if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Jesus shows us God. He shows us God. Jesus is God with us us the incarnation emmanuel right and so now he's departing and he's leaving but he's not going to abandon his people he's actually going to give someone to them who will accompany them forever 
And so he says to Philip and the rest of the folks, hey, look, if you love me, if you love me, you will serve at the church on Sunday mornings. If you love me, he says, you will obey my commandments. And what are his commandments? To love, right? You know his commandments, to love. And I will ask the Father, and listen, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. Jesus, as I said a few weeks ago, promises his disciples a gift. Because his absence is not going to be emptiness. His departure is going to create space in which his friends can receive the fullness of God in the Holy Spirit. That is, that they can receive God's presence in them and with them. The word was paraclete. Literally, it means to one who comes along beside another. A guide, an advocate, a counselor, a consoler, a teacher, supporter, strengthener. One who is totally on our side. See, that same spirit of God who was with the creation, who was with Jesus in his conception, who was with Jesus in his incarnation, that same spirit that descended upon Jesus and led him into his mission and his ministry, that same spirit who raised him from the dead, that same spirit, the Holy Spirit, lives in us. That's crazy, isn't it? Now imagine if our hearts fully receive that truth, that reality. Wow. One who is guiding us, loving us, caring for us. One who wants something more for us than we can ever want for ourselves. One who wants us to have the fullness of God and the life and love of God. Not religion, not institutional church, but life with God. The life that we were absolutely created for. See, that's the one that Jesus promised. That's the Holy Spirit. And that's the reality and what we celebrate here on Pentecost. So, the one, though, who wants to comfort you and guide you and lead you, that same one might actually want to come along beside you and strengthen you for something, call you into something, strengthen you um, for some kind of work, right? Muster your courage. Say, he didn't just come and comfort me so that I can close more business deals, which I used to, like, pray that he would help me a lot, right? But, um, but and I think he did, by the way. Um, but no, he comes to do something with me. You know, and this Holy Spirit, the one who comes along beside you, might provoke you and prompt you into some kind of action, something that just stirs in you, something that doesn't make sense, something that, that but you know that you kind of know in your heart, and you feel it. You know what I'm talking about? And you start to pay attention to that, and you start to listen to it, and you start to believe, and you start to move toward it. And this one might do something profound with your life. For the glory of God, see, the Holy Spirit doesn't just come and comforts us. 
The Holy Spirit, as we saw in our reading from Acts, oft sometimes comes as tongues of fire and as one with this violent wind. I love that, which, you know, is, is, that, is that, 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 just that image of, um, of energy and movement and force. Sometimes when the Holy Spirit calls us and works with us, it moves us in a different direction, in a direction toward what God wants and what God desires. Emily told me after the first service, she said, you ever had the wind knocked out of you, Father Rick? And I was like, yeah. And she goes, well, the Holy Spirit is like when the wind comes into you. It's the opposite. Instead of going, it brings in life, right? Regardless of how you feel or what you're going through, the reality, the reality is that you are never alone. The Holy Spirit has been promised and is your abiding presence forever. The essence of Jesus is imparted to you, to me, to us. And the whole point is leading us into union with God through this transforming, personal, intimate relationship with God. Do you know this? Y'all know this, right? I mean, you know, do you draw on it, though? You know what I'm saying? Are you consciously aware? I say every Sunday, oh, God, you're here, we are here, maybe we be here together. I do that. You know why I do that? To remind us that we're here and we are together, right? I don't want to just be here but be my mind somewhere else, right? Going, oh, man, Father Rick's sermon's so long, I wish he'd shut up because I'm a little hungry. You know what I mean? And then you start thinking about that sushi, and the next thing you know, you're not even here anymore. See, God is here, and we are here, and we want to be here together, right? Because we are. In fact, listen to this. Long before you ever considered becoming a Christian or opening yourself to God or however you want to say that, long before you ever wandered through those doors at St. Michael's, whether you're new here or whether you've been here 50 years or whatever, long before any of that happened, the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit was indeed pursuing and leading you home to God. That deep longing or whatever it is in your soul um, um, is the Holy Spirit longing for you. Had a conversation with a woman last week that doesn't attend church, but had a beautiful, deep, just lovely, just wonderful conversation. And um, I can tell that the God, the Holy Spirit, is drawing this person to him. See, what you're searching for is actually the one who's searching for you. So if any of this is resonating, you know, like not in your head necessarily, but you can kind of just allow it because that's the beauty of God drawing you, pulling you in. See, life with God is not something we do under our own power. It is a gift from God. So the goal of our, in our life then is what? If we know this, if this is true, if this is a reality, then how do I experience it? How do I conscious, become conscious of this? I really believe it comes down to stopping, 
turning my heart back toward God who is in there and opening myself. That simple. Not with a lot of words. It's just a disposition of my heart. You know, I come in here a lot, and I often sit right there, and no one else is here, and I pray. And I pray for this community. I pray for it to be filled with the Spirit of God. Sometimes, you know, I come right here and I, and I do my little thing when nobody else is around. <laughs> Some of you won't go, what's Father Rick doing? He looks crazy in there. But it's this idea of being silent and turning my heart and opening myself to the presence of God just like my very breath. I don't have to do a lot. And you know what's amazing? Is I don't you know necessarily have these profound mystical experiences or whatever, but that centeredness comes, and every one of us can do that. It doesn't take a lot. As a matter of fact, it's just being intentional. And so I encourage you and invite you into that this week. Romans says this. Paul says, "All who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear." Did you all hear that? You didn't, God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but he's given you a spirit of life. But you have received a spirit of adoption. That is a very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That's what Paul says today in our reading. So when you were conceived, the DNA of your ancestors and parents was implanted into you. My grandfather came from right outside Milan. That's why I talk with my hands. He's Italian, right? I inherited that. <laughs> so this DNA essentially plays itself out for the rest of our lives, right? And uh, making us what we are. Well, in our baptism, in our life with God, the very DNA of God via the Holy Spirit is implanted in you. And the rest of your life, the rest of our lives, is the outworking and of that truth, of that DNA, which makes us the people that God is making us into. The Holy Spirit is not just this nebulous force that is with you, but it is actually God in you, right? By the Spirit, Paul says, we cry, Abba, together with whom? Jesus. We're one. We're together. And we're drawn into this divine family. We begin to participate in the very life of God. Isn't that profound? Come on, church. Isn't that profound? Yeah. All right. Thank you. Give me an amen. amen. No. <laughs> so, but that's beautiful. And I have to tell you the reason I'm, is because I have to be reminded of this. Because there are so many voices. There are so many things out there telling me to be afraid, telling me it's not going to work, telling me this, telling me that. And it takes me down. And I have to turn pause, open myself once again to this promised reality that is. In our baptism, the congregation prays over us. Fill them with your holy and life-giving spirit. Teach them to love others in the power of the spirit. Send them into the world as witness to your love. All done via the Spirit. Folks, we, you and I, we, are the place where heaven 
and earth need. We've been made one. See, the whole aim of the Christian life is divine union, right? It's to be a spirit bearer, to live in the spirit of the divine, to become one with the spirit of God so that we can be that vessel, that flame of love in this world, outpouring that love in this world to actually make it the world that God intends it to be. Isn't that profound? And this is the promise of Pentecost. So as we always take a moment of silence, today I'm going to invite you, be with it, just be with it. What is the Lord saying to you? What's the Holy Spirit speaking into your heart? What is the promise? What's stirring in there? Just give it a little notice. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you liked today's message, please subscribe to our podcast and be sure to tell your friends. You may also check us out on YouTube at youtube.com backslash St. Michael's Orlando. Until next time, remember, God loves you with a love you did not earn, and therefore, you can never lose.